The Holy Gospel is taken from the fifth chapter of Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Some of you, especially those of you that uh, were connected on Facebook, know that Brenda and I enjoy hiking. We try to hike at least once a week when I'm home and the weather permits. Last week when I was home, we, we hiked the North Slope Trail in Pisgah National Forest. It's right at the Davison River campground. It was a glorious day considering it was late October in the mountains. And during the hike, I absorbed all the beauty of fall colors and the bright sunlight and the incredibly tall and straight poplar trees that we were hiking amidst. The wind blew through those towering trees, snatching the leaves from the branches, and the falling leaves were brilliant golden snowflakes like wafting through the air and finally settling to the ground, sounding like raindrops on those other dry leaves that were already on the ground. It struck me how this scene in nature mirrored All Saints Sunday. All the magnificent trees we were admiring were nurtured and fed in their growth by the very leaves that fell each year. Year after year, leaves fall. They decay, they provide essential nutrients for the trees. The leaves were the very foundation for the tree's growth in that beautiful forest. In much the same way, the, it is the faithful saints of this and every year and generation who form and shape the foundation for our faith. They were our mentors in word as well as in example. They sacrificed to strengthen and to grow this faith community. Their memory continues to inspire and guide our lives in ministry. 
Today we remember and we'll give thanks for the 18 saints who died since last All Saints Sunday who now rest from their labors. 18 members of St. John's who served faithfully within this congregation and in the wider community. 18 souls who have received in fullness what was promised at baptism, as Luther said, all the riches of heaven and now reside in the presence of Christ. The word saint is derived from the Greek verb hagiazo, whose basic meaning is to set apart, to sanctify or to make holy. And if we look back through the Old Testament, you'll think about that being set apart and remember how important that was with the holy of holies in the way the temple was structured in their worship. In baptism, you and I, we are made saints as we are set apart to love and serve Christ with the certainty that God's love and forgiveness for us will never waver, never be rescinded. Baptism calls us to live in accordance with God's kingdom values here and now. Values that Jesus lays out, I think, in the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew. The Beatitudes we read are a part of that, of course. Sure, there are examples of outstanding people of faith whom the church commemorates as well we should we find common inspiration. But each baptized person is a saint by virtue of God's grace and call in baptism. For me, All Saints Sunday is a bit of a challenge each year. I find it challenging because it reminds me of a paradox. Think about it. I'm sad. I still grieve the deaths and the physical absence of people I knew and loved. Some I met this year and some from years before. Ones that you knew. Those relationships grew and developed and deepened over time. And it heightens our sense of loss because grief takes time and intentionality to work through, to heal. So part of me is still sad today. And yet All Saints Day also invites us to rejoice and to be happy. Our faith in Christ, His life, death, and resurrection teaches us to rejoice that God's promise in baptism has now been fulfilled in all its wondrous heavenly glory for those who have died. All Saints Sunday calls us to celebrate that those we love are now completely in the presence of Christ in heaven and have been released from the brokenness of this world. So that's the paradox for me today, sadness and joy. But then as Lutherans, we're familiar with paradoxes, right? saint and sinner, fully God, fully human, to live in this world but not be of this world, that in death we find eternal life, resurrection. Today's scripture readings are helpful, I think, with this dichotomy of sadness and joy. We know the gospel reading as the Beatitudes, good words, blessings. They're part of the Sermon on the Mount and extended collection of teachings of Jesus delivered on a hillside overlooking the northern end of the Sea of Galilee. 
They themselves, the Beatitudes, are paradoxical. Each one announces a reality that exists under the reign of God, but clearly does not yet exist fully in the present lives of the hearers. The people that Jesus addressed that day on the mountainside were occupied and oppressed by Roman power. Most of them were poor laborers or subsistence farmers living day to day. By our human measures, looking at that crowd, nobody in that crowd and none in the situations that Jesus named would likely feel blessed or look blessed in that current state of existence. Maybe you can identify with that sometimes because there are times that we don't always feel blessed in certain circumstances or situations we encounter. So the overall existence the Beatitudes are describing seems to me a paradox. That first phrase, blessed are, that present indicative verb, naming their present reality, those who mourn, those who grieve, the poor in spirit, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. It names their current reality. And then the second phrase, will be, is in the future, describes the present, the life under God's reign, a future that's only partially present. As we live as best we can according to the values of God's kingdom under the reign of God here and now, those future characteristics that Jesus named and promised exist now, even while we struggle life in this broken world. The first followers of Jesus, I think, faithfully persisted in this paradox because of the promise at the core of the Beatitudes, that certain future fully under the reign of God where it's a reversal that's graciously different from that present existence they knew. It's that future that gives hope, that sustains them and sustains us as the world attempts news reports, experiences, all of that tries to convince us that the life, death, and suffering of this world is all there is, will be that future in God's presence fully. On All Saints Sunday, we typically think about our losses that we experience due to the death of faithful ones. But living in these paradoxes, sadness and joy, the reality of the world and the reign of God, we have other losses that we have sadness and look for hope in our faith that challenge us. Alzheimer's disease, where our loved one still is with us physically but doesn't recognize us. The loss of eyesight or loss of good health. Loss of work. The shattering of a relationship. And the list could continue for those losses. As life here moves forward through those situations in life, it's our faith in Jesus Christ and living out of that faith in our daily lives that aids our transition, moving through that sadness toward joy from the world's reality toward the realization of the fullness of God's reign. Christ gathered 
a community of disciples for the similar reason that we gather into community of the church. We need this community of believers to encourage us. We need one another to remind us of that part of the paradox that is certain, that will happen, that is God's grace and gift to us. The joy and the reign of God while we struggle to unmire ourselves and move through that worldly part, the sadness and the brokenness. The Beatitudes hold up a reminder that points us toward that ultimate hope, painted for us in Revelation, one of the passages there that Mitch read for us today, that when God's reign is fully present, the faithful will be gathered before the throne of God. The seer says they will hunger no more, thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to the springs of the waters of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That vision, that's the goal, that's the full presence of God that sustains all who are baptized through this life until we realize that fullness. Years ago, a church consultant that I uh, had uh, attended a number of workshops with, Ken and Callahan, had a three-part planning, visioning formula, perception, what we see shapes our behavior, which then shapes and forms our destiny, our future. I want to suggest an adaptation for us on All Saints Sunday, that it's the presence of God that we trust and live into now and under that shapes and guides what we do, our behavior. And our behavior, by the grace of God, shapes and Fulfill, moves us toward the fulfillment of our destiny, life under God's reign here in this world, and the fullness of that joy and glory in God's presence on the other side of the grave. Remembering God's presence, letting it shape our behavior and our future can remind us of that sure and certain hope that we have in Christ, even as we encounter varieties of grief and lost situations throughout our lives. Gathered together as the people of God, we encourage, we support one another in our lives under God's reign so that we might share in the joy that comes now and is fully revealed at that time when God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. The communal support of fellow saints is essential for us to live in the reality that God is present, even when the experiences of this world clamor to have us believe otherwise. In a few minutes, as we hear names read and see candles lit, we are encouraged by the faithful witness of those who have gone before us. May our memory of them nurture our faith in this life, as surely as falling leaves nurture the trees of the forest. Amen.